We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, if you haven't figured that out already. Uh, you can turn me down just a, just a touch. There's some echo going on, uh, just barely. I want, I want to make sure that I'm not too low. I just got the echo. Uh, last week, if you were with us or if you tuned in online or if you've gone back to see what you missed, you would have uh, learned that we talked about the power of prayer and we talked about uh, the, the disciple and, and, and how we are to be people of prayer and how that's the most powerful thing we can ever do, not only for ourselves, but for others around us. And as far as uh, doing the work of the kingdom requires powerful prayer. Wouldn't you all agree with that? Uh, if you didn't agree with that last week, I hope you agree with it this week. And it's uh, something that I will continue to encourage all of you to engage in in a meaningful way and more always growing in that, being more intentional, more uh, deeply rooted in your prayer life and, and um, uh, tapping into the power that comes with Christ that lives in us. Uh, we can't lose if we approach everything in that way. All right. So today we're going to talk about the next thing, the mission, right? The mission, if most believers, most disciples, most people who are saved or, or any, anybody who's been around the scriptures or been around church should know or at least recognize that the mission is to make disciples. Would y'all, y'all, hopefully y'all agree with that. If, if you don't agree with that, then maybe we need to preach the gospel first <laughs> and then talk about the mission, right? But I think we all agree. I think uh, most believers, most Christians will agree that we have been given a task, a mission. The point that I'm just going to give you the point right off the bat. The mission, the, the, the Great Commission, chapter 28, verse uh, 18 to, uh, to 20 in, in Matthew, is not a request. That's the, that's the big idea for the day. So if you've got somewhere to be, you can leave and still get it. But I hope you stay because there's more to listen to. There's more for, for God to help us with. But it's not, it's not something that Jesus said it would be nice if you would go into the world and make disciples. He didn't say it, uh, maybe you might decide or if you think it's a good idea. He said to go into the world and make disciples. It's a command from our Lord. Our Lord who has, carries all the authority from the kingdom of God. So there's no option for the believer, is there? Hello? There's, there's no option here for us, for the ones who are genuine believers, disciples of Christ, as we've been talking about for so many weeks. If you're a disciple, this is what you're about. This is what you do. This is who you are. We make disciples. We, we, we go into the world and preach the gospel, even when we don't feel like it, or when we're scared to do it, or when we are discouraged, or when we're got something else to do this is the mission make disciples i don't think it can get any more simple than that and i think sometimes the believers around the world uh we, we can fall into this trap of making things way too difficult by thinking about what we need to do to make the church grow or what we need to do to get our family members to know jesus or what we need to do to get Whatever it is we think God wants us to do or get. And if we would just be about our Father's business, we would see that all of those things would be handled. They'd be taken care of. 
whatever it is we got our mind set on. It's easy to lose track or lose sight of the task at hand. Matthew chapter 28 in, in, in verse 18 to 20, I, I, I know when I was preparing this message, I uh, was already instantly aware that this is, should be t- total review for the believer. If you're surprised by what I'm going to preach today, then you haven't been paying attention to the Lord. If you're a new believer and you haven't figured this out, good news. Here's another opportunity for you to learn and grow and begin to do what the Lord has commanded us to do. If you're not a believer today and you haven't committed your life to Christ and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the first thing you need to focus on. Because you're not going to participate in making disciples if you're not already a disciple. You're not already a Christian. Let's read together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is at the end of Matthew. The same thing is at the, uh, at the end of uh, Mark. He, he records the same command in, in, a, in a different, uh, shorter version of it. But it's there. That's the, that's the, that's the Jesus went, th- went through the training program with all of the disciples, and then he uh, finished his task on earth, which was to go to the cross for the sake of all the sins of man, die, willingly give up his life so that the sins would be paid for, God brought him back to life, proving that he is the Messiah, and then he goes on to be with the Father and leaves us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And right before he left, this is what he said. Training is over, now go. Two letters for the believer to focus on. Two, two alphabetical letters, not written letters. Two alphabet, two, two, one word, two letters, Go. I felt like that needed a dramatic pause, if you understand what that means. Dramatic pauses are for me to collect my thoughts and for y'all to soak into what I just said and think about it and let the Lord help you with it. Just go. And, and, and let, let me read, I want to read this article. I was going to do it later, but I'm going to read it now. And then I want to read Matthew 26 to you and, and show you an example of Jesus living this idea out first we pray and then we go this is a little bit lengthy but it's not going to matter because my sermon notes are short so we'll pray that everything falls in line this is a an article from a a, a online from a place a, a, a website called bread for beggars okay it's about a missionary in hawaii in the late 1800s who was a missionary, and he was convicted to share the gospel, go into the world, and make disciples. All right, so let me read this, and I'll try to do it as quickly as I can without make messing it all up, because it's important for us to see an example of today, in today's world, of what it looks like to go into the world, okay? The Bible tells us the story of how God set out to make a kingdom and a people for himself. How his people rebelled and how God came to save us all But there are stories of his kingdom that do not appear in the pages of the Bible. This is one of those stories. In the year 1864, a young man uh, from Belgium named Josef de Vester uh, stepped off a boat uh, onto the island of Oahu 
Two days later, he was ordained as Father Damien, a missionary to the people of Hawaii. Four years earlier, uh, under, undereducated with dirt from his family farm still under his fingernails, he made, the, he made the decision to enter training for the priesthood. His superiors were unimpressed. He could, uh, he would, he, how would this country bumpkin prove worthy? But he, has, he had someone looking out for him, an older brother, already a priest, who tutored him in Latin and everything else he needed to know. He was given a chance. For three years he studied, day by day, and at night he knelt in prayer. His heart longed for, to be sent on a mission to reach the people uh, who had not yet been reached, to share the gospel with people who had never heard it. Imagine the conflict in his heart when he heard that the news that his brother ha was being sent to Hawaii to join the mission there. No doubt he was proud for his brother and heartbroken. But God ha has a habit of turning heartbreak to joy. His brother had taken ill, certainly not something they cel to celebrate. However, it meant a door had opened. Uh, Joseph was allowed to take, take his brother's place. In, in his dream of becoming a missionary had come true. Little did he know that it would cost him. Little did he know the sacrifices he would be asked to make. Little did he know how much love he could show to absolute strangers. In 1865, uh, I can't say this king's name, but he the, the, was the ruler of Hawaii at, the, at that time, was facing a threat to his kingdom. A disease had infected hundreds of his people, one that was horrific, uncurable, and horribly contagious a disease whose power echoed in the minds of all who had read the New Testament. It was leprosy. The king issued a decree that quarantined all the, all the infected uh, from his kingdom to the island of Molokai. Hundreds of people were sent to, this, to, to settle on the eastern side of the island to fend for themselves as best they could while they slowly wasted away. One man took notice, the bishop of the diocese in Honolulu, Bishop, uh, bishop Louise, Desiree uh, Magret, Magret wanted to give the people hope, comfort, help, and above all, the gospel. But how? Any volunteers he sent would be taking an, uh, an enormous risk that they too would contract the disease. Perhaps if he, if he asked the volunteers and gave them only short uh, stints on a rotating basis, they could stay, uh, stay safe and still be helpful. God had a different plan. Father Damien, along with three others, volunteered to go. Damien was selected to go first. Despite uh, many cautions and warnings from friends, despite appeals from family and other priests that he should keep himself safe, Damien went. The settlement, Kalawao, was uh, separated from the rest of Molokai by a mountain range. A man could only get there by mule or his own two feet. What was Damien thinking? He, was crested the, he, he crested the ridge and looked down at the ramshackle houses and broken people milling about below. Did he pray for courage? Did he pray for safety? Did he consider turning around and running away? Whatever was going through his head and heart as he made his way down the mountain, by the time he reached the people, God had filled him with one resolution, to love these people with the sacrificial love of Jesus. I come to you as one who will be a father to you, he said, as the lepers gathered to hear his greeting, and, you, and, and who loves you so much that he does not hesitate to become one of you, to live and die with you. He would, 
Damien lived with them, caring for their wounds, building homes and tending crops, teaching school and preaching the gospel. He sweat with them as they worked, worked to improve the community. He wept with them as he dug graves for the dead. He laughed with them as they told stories around the fire. He fought with them to gain rights and resources from the Hawaiian government. He sang with them as they praised God who promised them an end to the suffering and eternal joy in his kingdom. He suffered with them as he, contract, he contracted the dreaded disease. One evening, Damien, poured, uh, Damien had poured a bath for himself, not realizing he had let the water get too hot. Putting his foot in the water, he was stunned to realize that he could see the skin scalding and blistering, but felt nothing. He had joined the lepers. Just as just as he told his brothers he would. I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all for Jesus Christ. He had written his prophecy had come true. The disease only renewed his vigor. He worked doubly hard to establish schools, orphanages, to upgrade homes, to make, uh, a co make the colony a place where people could truly live. He welcomed doctors who came with ideas for a cure hoping against hope that some, someone would find that secret. He would never see the cure in his lifetime. In 1889, Father Damien closed his eyes in death and was welcomed into the arms of, sa of the Savior. Whose love drove him to give everything, even his own life, to save the souls of those he loved. That's one story of how many can we imagine are in a part of the kingdom of God. That, that's what it looks like to be a disciple maker. That's one example of what it looks like to be a disciple maker. I'm not saying that we all need to go out and intentionally contract some disease and die. That's not what the point is. The point is, is this man of God thought of everyone else before himself for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the souls that were lost, for the sake of the suffering, for the sake of those who were outcast. And I, I'm one who, I, I personally believe that this leprosy in its, in its time was way worse than any pandemic that we could ever experience. And here's a man willing to walk into the fire for the sake of people he didn't even know and their souls. It's important that we pray about everything, that we seek the Lord and his guidance, ask the Lord to give us everything we need so that we can be obedient to his command to make disciples. But at some point, we need to go. We need to get up and do. Because what does James say? Faith without what? Faith without works is dead. We can say we believe all we want to. We can say we're praying about it all we want to. But if we never do, then we're failing to be obedient to our Lord. I love you and the Lord loves you. And I'm not trying to knock you down. I'm just trying to wake us up.
Matthew chapter 26 and verse 46, uh, 35 to 46. This is, uh, Jesus is about to be arrested and he knows it. And he, this is where he's trying to get the, uh, the disciples to pray with him. But he's in the wilderness praying, knowing that the guards are coming to arrest him. Look what he says. Then he turned to the disciples and said uh, to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is, del is delivered into the hands of sinners. He says, rise, let us go. Here comes our betrayer. The whole point of this verse is to show you that even in, when Jesus was in this world and he was working on his uh, mission to come into the world for the sake of going to the cross and completing that mission so that we could have a Savior, there was a time when he was talking to God and there was a time when he said, okay, it's time to get up and do something. And he tells the disciples, like, look, y'all missed your opportunity to pray. It's time to go now. So there's the mission. Here's another place in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38, tells us about the mission. A different way of explaining the mission for us to understand. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord for the harvest, of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field, into his harvest field. I think everybody in this room, and maybe many people who might see us online, would agree that God wants us to make disciples. He wants us to go into the harvest field and bring in the harvest. He wants us to go and do the work. I don't really see in any of this scripture where the Lord is saying, I want you to try really hard and it's okay if you don't do it. He's saying go do it. Which tells me something, and it's encouraging to me, and it helps me not be so uh, defeated by this command because it's a large responsibility, don't you think? Hello? <laughs> this is a large responsibility, and it's a privilege that we get to go into the world and make disciples. I get to work for the kingdom of God. I get to bring the gospel into the world. I get to touch people's lives in a way that nobody else can. I can make a real difference in a person's life if I follow the Lord. And let him do what he's doing in me. Same for you. I get to make disciples, y'all. I get to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I get to go and bring in God's harvest. That's what I get to do. That's what you get to do. That's what the believers get to do. It shouldn't be a burden for me to go in and work the harvest field. I should be like Abraham and wake up early in the morning so that I can get up and be obedient to God. And, and by the way, Abraham, when Abraham got up early in the morning to be obedient to God, in one case, he was getting up early to go sacrifice his own son on the, on the altar. The harvest is plentiful, y'all. And, and I'm guilty as anybody else when we sit back and say, man, people don't care about God anymore. Nobody, wants to, nobody cares about what the Christian has to say. Nobody believes the Bible anymore. And we can go right on down the list of making excuses and reasons why we shouldn't go. And the reality is that God already knows all those things. And the command didn't change. He knows what's out there. 
He knows what's in the field. He knows where the weeds are, and he knows where the crop is. And if we would just pay attention to him, he'll show us how to do it. He'll help us do it. Notice in this verse 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38, it says that Jesus saw the crowds, and look, he had compassion on them. He had compassion. First off, I want to know, do you see the crowds today? Do you see the people in the world today? I think you do. I think we all see it. We're all fully aware that many people are falling away from the Lord or rejecting God or turning away from the truths in the Bible. The question is, is do we have compassion for them? Do I have compassion for the lost or for the confused or for the, the, the enemies of God, for the condemners of the Christian faith? Do I have compassion for them or am I being angry at them and judging them? Am I in the harvest field to harvest or am I in there to point out the weeds and the locusts? Am I being obedient to the Great Commission or am I doing something else and wondering why God's not showing me what he can do? He says, he says that he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. The people that weren't believers, the people that were, they didn't have a shepherd. They didn't have anybody leading them. They didn't have anybody caring for them and providing for them like our Lord does. Amen. Everybody should have said amen right there because everybody knows that God provides always. He's always faithful. He's always, he's always there, regardless if we understand it or it's the way we want it or, or whatever. He's always provided. He's never failed. And there's people in the world that do not live in that. And it's not because God doesn't love them. It's because they're confused and they're lost and they have no leader. They have no Lord. They have no shepherd because they refuse to surrender to it because they're, they're in trouble. So, he tells the disciples, look, look what I see. See the way I see it. You need to ask God to provide workers. Right? Every, every smaller church in the world has the same conversation. We need to get more people in the church so we can have more people do the work. Isn't that true? We say that here. We, I believe that's true. I would love to get more folks in here and have more hands on deck so we can have more people doing the work that God has called us to do. Some of these smaller churches around the world are, are failing at realizing that the ones that are here have to go do the work first to get more people. And we end up just praying about it and never really doing because the workers are few, y'all. There's plenty of, there's, there's a, there, everybody in this church that I know about, everybody that was here since I've been here, I praise the Lord for. Because I've seen y'all do some great things for the Lord. All of you do it in different ways. Some do th some things and some do others. I believe that the people in our church are faithful people and they love God. We all love God. I believe that if, if, we, could, if, we, could, if we could find what to do and go do it, that we would all be lined up to do it. 
the answer that I'm giving you is to go into the world and make disciples. That's what God wants us to do. And, and Jesus is telling us right here in Matthew chapter 9, he's like, look, ask the Lord. Go ask the Lord to put harvest workers in the field. And you be the first one to step up and say, here, here I am. I'll be the first one. You, you bring more to go with me and I'll go. And if you don't, I'll go anyway. That, that's, that's the mission. That's the command, y'all. Look at, look at this. Here's, notice the way it's worded in Matthew chapter 28. He says, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's like, okay, so I'm giving uh, this authority to you. I'm commanding you by God's authority to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. All commands in there. Every, everything in there is a command. Go into the world. He didn't say, if you feel like leaving, go ahead. Or if you feel like trying, or if you think it's the right thing. No, he said, go. He didn't ask you how you feel about it. He, didn't ask, he said, you have what you need, now go. And then he says to make disciples. A disciple, you can't be a disciple without making disciples. It's not, it's the, in, it, you know, we preach about what a disciple is or what a Christian is. And one of those things was a Christian is a student of Christ. And our, it's in us, it's who we are. It's not what we try to do. We go, because we're like Jesus and we're trying to be like Jesus, we go teach other people to be like Jesus. That's what we live for. That's what uh, our missionary that we just read about was all about. He went into this place where everybody was dying. Physically and spiritually. And could care less about his own safety because he wanted to do everything he could to teach people to know Jesus and be like Jesus. And, and, he, and, and as, as it was described, he's walking down the mountainside not really knowing what to do or how it's going to happen. He just walked in there and said, I love y'all and I'm here to be with you. I'm here to share life with you. That's what disciple-making is about. We're sharing life with people. We're inviting people into our life, and we're going out and getting involved in their life without sinning, of course. And then he says, after you, after you go and then after you make disciples, another command is to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're, we're not baptizing enough people here, y'all. Y'all agree with me? We're not. I'm not saying that as a condemnation toward y'all. I'm just stating the fact. This is where we are. We are not using this baptistry and not near enough. We need to do something about it. God's ready to do something about it. He's waiting on us to go and make disciples. And I'm with y'all. I, I feel like I should be sitting down there with y'all. To be honest with you. And then he says, teach them to obey. You don't leave them in the baptistry. You teach them to obey. You teach them about obedience. You teach them to love the word obedience when it comes to our Lord and our relationship with him. Do you think this missionary friend that we just read about, our brother here, was, wasn't afraid and didn't think about maybe I shouldn't go or, 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 or some kind of doubt or maybe this is wrong or this is stupid or whatever, whatever Satan might bring in his mind, but his passion to be obedient to God and love people overrode all those doubts and negative thoughts whether the people in our community are like us or not 
whether we think we have the answer to their problems or not, we have to go out there. And we have to love them. And I think the key is we need to get ourselves to the place where we want to go out there and we want to love them. Then obedience becomes a joy. See, the Great Commission is not something that we have to reluctantly work hard at doing so that we can get into heaven. No. We can be in the presence of God for eternity because we believe what we believe about Jesus. We believe the gospel. Because we believe the gospel and the spirit of God is working in us, he's developing in us a new heart that sees the crowds and has compassion and realizes that the world doesn't have a shepherd like the believers do. And it's all because they're not understanding, they're confused, or they're rejecting. They're blinded in the darkness of sin. And all we have to do is go out and present ourselves for what we believe who we are and let the light shine. Some will repent. Some won't. It, doesn't it seem simple? Doesn't it seem easy? Why, why does it seem so difficult sometimes? Why does it seem like a, a, a challenge or some kind of mountain that we can't really get over? Most of the time it's because we're forgetting who's doing the real work. Most of the time it, we're, we're, we're thinking that we have to, in our own strength, make people believe or change somebody's mind. And God is just saying, if you love me, go live your life like you love me and then love other people with the same love. And you'll find opportunities to baptize people and teach people to obey regardless if you're trying or not. Because that's the way the Lord works. It's his harvest, y'all. It's his harvest. You think, you think that if we go out in the harvest field and try really hard and we come back empty-handed, God's going to be, okay, well, that, uh, that's good enough. I don't think so because he said go and get the harvest in here. He didn't say go try to get it in here. He said go do get the, get the harvest in here. You're raising your children and you tell them, clean your room, and they go in there and try really hard to clean the room, but they can't do it. You're not going to condemn them, but you're not going to, you're not going to say, hey, well, you did a good job, okay, well, no. You're not going to tell them to do something that you know they can't do. I want you to look at that last line, Matthew chapter 28 there. Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I take this, this right here, this right here totally changed my life. This, was, this, this changed my life about the time when I started realizing I'm, I'm called to go full-time preaching the gospel and, 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 and making disciples or whatever it is, however you want to describe it. Because I read that Jesus says, I'll be with you. If you go do this, I'll go with you. Everywhere you go, I'll go with you. You know how much comfort that brings me to know that I can stand right here and, and do what I'm doing right now and I don't have to do it without God. I don't even have to try to do it. Even if I tried to do it without God, he's here. <laughs> he's going to intervene because he's not going to let me mess it up. He's not going to let me do it in a way that is counteractive to bringing in the harvest. You know, he's not going to let me go out there and plant more stuff while y'all are harvesting stuff and I'm putting more stuff. No. We, we gotta, I think, I think we got to get over ourselves a little bit as if we can disrupt God's plan 
You understand what I'm saying? There's, I mean, we get so scared that we're going to mess something up or we're not going to do it right. No, we're not that big, y'all. We don't have that ability to stand in the way of what God wants. All we can do is miss out if we're not paying attention. I've seen evidence over, over my preaching time. How many times I'm standing up here preaching a sermon and I get walking out the door and I just feel so bad about what I just did. And, and all, everybody who heard the sermon is like, well, that's the best sermon I ever heard. God did something with it. I was just talking to Brother Larry just a couple weeks ago. We were reminding each other we're not allowed to talk bad about what God's doing in our life. Because he's doing that. So go out there and make disciples. Don't worry about if you do it just right or not. Just go out there and love people. Get involved in their life. See what you can do to be a blessing. Have compassion on them. Show them who you are. Show them what you believe. Show them why you live the way you live. Let the Lord handle the rest. This uh, man named Josh Hunt wrote a book. He's a Christian writer, and uh, I think he's a pastor somewhere. He, he, in his book, he talks about the lie of faithfulness. And I, I, I read that, and I was like, wait a minute. And he says, the lie of faithfulness is that effort and sincerity are all that God desires. He's not concerned with the outcome. God is concerned with the outcome because Jesus died for the outcome. He's concerned with us being successful and making disciples. God doesn't want a bunch of Christians out there failing because it makes him look bad. It makes him look like he's not God. He's not going to let us fail. That's why Jesus will go with us everywhere we go and whatever we do. He's in it if our hearts are pure. If we see the crowds and we have compassion and we realize that they're confused and that they don't have a shepherd and that they need the shepherd that we have. God's not so much interested in how much sweat and equity, sweat equity we have in our efforts. He's interested uh, more so in whether or not we bring in the crop. Yeah? <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to myself, y'all. He's not pleased with just effort. I think effort does please him, but that's not his end goal, y'all. God doesn't set us up to fail. He wants faith and results. And it, the only way I know to get, our, get myself or you guys to this place where we can have faith, effort with results is to continue to pray, continue to trust God in all of it, and then just go do just go do. God will tell us when we're off track or when we're going the wrong way. We have assurance of success, y'all. God, Jesus says, I'll be with you. Look, look, I'll be with you always and to the end, the very end of the age. That promise will outlast my life in this earth. Because always is never ending, right? And to the end of the age. That means when, until Jesus comes back, God is going to be faithful to those who are making disciples. Amen. You can't lose. We can't lose, y'all. The believers around the world, the church, the, the, the body of Christ cannot fail because we're always about making disciples. Everything you do, everything we do in the congregation here, everything you do in your homes should be pointing you to how to make more disciples. Your work your prayer life, your recreational activities, 
everything about the, the believer is about making disciples, making more of you. Surely I'm with you always. Finally, I want to look at Acts chapter 2, just a, another example. If we're gonna, if we, look, if we're going to get serious here in this church, if we're going to recommit to our seriousness about making disciples, if we're going to maybe even, maybe we could even go far as to say, maybe we could say we're going to re- repent of not making disciples, if that's what we need to do. If we're going to do that, if we're going to be serious, there's a few things we need to focus on and realize. Acts chapter 2, 42, uh, 2 verse 42 to 47, you should be familiar with it. It's the beginning of the church, and it describes what the, the believers look like after the Spirit of God came on them at Pentecost, and certain things were in place. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, and, and to the fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. Now we're back to last week. We got, we'll pray about something. But it's more to it than that. You've got to get serious about assembling for worship. You've got to get serious about studying the Bible together. You've got to get serious about praying together and fellowshipping together. You've got to be at the church and where the church is. You've got to be a part of what God's doing if you're going to be serious about disciple making. We can't do it by ourselves. Uh, verses 44 and 45 talk, uh, talk about connecting with other people. We read this in our Sunday school, our Bible study this morning in 2 Timothy. You, you got to be together with other believers to pursue righteousness, to pursue spiritual growth. To be able to make disciples, you got to be healthy, right? you got, you got to be close to God. And I don't know about y'all, but this preacher right here needs accountability from y'all. Because I can't be trusted. <laughs> Neither can y'all. We can't be trusted, y'all. That's why we need Jesus. You know, we need Jesus because we can't be trusted to do right all the time. We can't be trusted to stay faithful all the time. We can't be trusted to go every day, get up and just go into the world and make disciples. Because Satan, we have an enemy that wants us off task. We have an enemy that wants us distracted and discouraged. We have an enemy that doesn't want you to make disciples and bring in the harvest. And then we have our own desires our own wicked desires sometimes that satan would have us look at right <laughs> verse 40 44 says this all the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need you know you know that you know what the biggest thing that distracts a believer around the world any, any of the believers we're, we're distracted by our own needs we, look, we don't look at the crowds and have compassion. We're looking in the mirror, and we're having compassion, and we're praying about all our own needs, not realizing that if we would just be about the Father's business, he'll, he'll be about our business. He'll take care of the concerns of life and the worries and the anxieties and the responsibilities. It's all about trusting God and taking care of one another. If I, if I pray for y'all and I lift y'all up and encourage y'all, you're going to go out and make disciples. And if you do the same for me, I'm going to go out and make disciples because I don't have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to be concerned about because I have God. And I'm part of his kingdom and I'm part of his people. The same is true for anybody else who would believe and live in that. Last couple things and then we'll finish. Verse 46 and 47 Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate 
uh, uh, together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and every and enjoying the favor of all the people. We have we have to live in God's grace, y'all. We have to live. We have to thrive in His grace and His knowledge and the knowledge of the Lord. These people were together all the time. They couldn't get enough of each other. Because they were all brothers and sisters in Christ. The same God was living in them that was living in their neighbor, their, their brother and sister in Christ. They couldn't, they couldn't survive without each other. They were all doing the same thing. Making disciples. Trusting God. Loving each other and loving the world. That's what they were doing. And they knew where everything came from. They knew where every resource came from. It says they were praising God together says they were giving him the credit. They couldn't stop enjoying his favor. Notice it says, and the people. They, they had favor of the people, too. Not just the believers, but the community loved them. You can't, you can't, you can't not like a person who is joyful all the time. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> Somebody comes in the room, and they just light up the room because they're full of joy, and they're laughing all the time. And, they, and, and even when things are hard, they're giving God the praise, and they're just positive all the time. And believers need to be that way because that's what God sent Jesus to die for. Hello? We have God, y'all. I know there's stress in the world. I've been through some things just like all y'all have. It doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change the peace that is there. It doesn't even change the fact that there's joy to be found even in the hardest of times. And just because things are hard doesn't mean I can come off the harvest field. I don't get to come off the harvest field until God calls me home. Whether I'm standing here preaching or whether I'm at somebody's house sharing the gospel or praying or, or just having fellowship or whether I'm old and decrepit in some place that somebody has to take care of me, I still need to be about the Lord's business. I don't get to be a grouch because I'm in some hospital bed somewhere. Because Jesus died for me. I know it's hard. I've been in there. I've been, I've been in the hospital, and I've been in physical pain, and you just don't want to be around people because it's like you've you got things going on. It's difficult, isn't it? But we have to trust God that he would continue to be the witness even in that kind of a situation somehow. That's how we make disciples. And finally, in the rest of verse 47, it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the best part of the whole thing, isn't it? And every time we read that in, 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 in church or in a sermon or in a Bible study and with other believers, everybody sits back and says, oh, if that, would be, if that would happen here at this church, that'd be awesome. If the Lord would just add to our number every day. Do you believe this Bible's true? Do you believe it's got truth in it? Do you think it's God's word? Then how can we not believe it wouldn't happen? Or how can we believe it wouldn't happen? How can, how can, we, how can we believe against what this says? If we would just be the church the way that they were being the church, and intentionally go into the world, God would bring in the harvest on a daily basis. That's what I believe. And I believe it can happen in any church that would apply themselves to what they believe about Jesus and what they believe about the Word of God. I love you and the Lord loves you, and He wants you to be successful. He wants to use you to make disciples. He wants you to be His mighty witness for His kingdom. He wants you to be those who are out in the world, out in the trenches, getting dirty with the people who don't have shepherds. 
the people who are lost in their sin, doing things that we would never even imagine. It's hard, isn't it? Because we don't want to be associated with that crowd. We don't, we don't want to be seen because somebody might suspect that we're involved in that sinful behavior stuff. Well, let me tell you something about my Savior. He was seen more with the sinner than he was with the disciples. In fact, he was accused by the religious leaders that he was wrong for doing that. And the bottom line is, if some other disciple didn't sit down with you while you were a sinner, you wouldn't be saved. If some, if some other disciple in your life would have just said, oh, I'm not talking to that sinner, you would have never heard the gospel. You would have never encountered Jesus. You would have never had that opportunity. God's done everything he's going to do for every soul. And if there wasn't anything here for us to do, we'd just go on and be with the Lord when we get saved. So ask yourself, why are we here? What is the purpose of living in this world outside of making disciples? This preacher wants to make disciples. I'm going. And I hope you all go with me. Because that's what God wants. That's what he commands. Isn't that great, y'all? And, and, and I, as I'm preaching this message, I feel like I'm slamming you guys to the ground. But I know what I'm trying to do is remind each one of us of the privilege that we have to serve God in this way. Each one of us can find ourselves distracted from the mission field, distracted from the work. It happens. We have to humble ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to repent from being disobedient. I'm just going to go. I don't have the answer about what to do. I don't. Except go. Go into the world and find somebody to love. Even if you don't know them. Don't leave your house and come home without loving somebody for Jesus. And if, if you don't plan on doing that, then I would say just don't even leave your house. We're going to sing a song right now number 685 and I think this book right here verses 1 and 2 it's going to be on the board Lord I'm coming home this is a it's a good invitation song I'm, pretty, I'm glad Sherry picked it out it's a good song to sing for invitation but as I was reading over it and singing it for practice so I didn't mess it all up it, it occurred to me it's a good song of repentance as well so let's stand together and sing it if you, if you don't know the Lord now's the day come up here and confess Christ and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And the rest of us will just continue to repent and continue to go make disciples. You ready? Amen.